Welcome to episode three of the Old Camera Guy podcast trilogy. My name is Dave Mahali. You know how with the Godfather movies they made part three and maybe should have just stopped after part two? Well, think of this episode like that. Now, this podcast does have one thing going for it, and that is the music of Mike Gutterman, which you can find at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. All right, enough sucking up to the negative positives overlords. Let's dive right into today's topic, film developing. So we're going to talk about traditional film developing, not alternative processes, not printing, not instant films. So no cyanotypes, no spreading egg whites on a window pane or anything like that. Now, I should tell you that most of my experience with film photography has been with 35mm film. My photography now is probably 75% 35mm, 15% 120 or medium format, and 10% digital. That may change month to month, but those averages are usually in the ballpark of what I shoot. I've never shot large format. I did shoot a little 110, 126 and even APS back in the day, but we all know only a true psychopath would still be shooting APS these days. So what I'm talking about today will be mostly related to 35mm and 120. And in those formats, there are three main flavors, black and white negative film, color negative film, and color positive or slide film. Now, there are other kinds of stuff out there. Black and white positives are a thing. Color motion picture film is out there. Full disclosure, I hardly ever shoot positive or slide film, and when I do, I usually commit the unspeakable sin of cross-processing slide film with C41 color negative chemistry. Uh, Along those same lines, when I shoot color movie film, I also process that with C41 chems instead of the proper ECN2 chemistry. So, along with the three major types of film to be processed, there are three main ways to get that processed depending on your location. Okay, the first way is to take your film to a local lab to get it processed. Now, back in my day, literally every corner drugstore could develop your color negative film. Uh, A lot of times with same day or next day turnaround time. So, depending on your region, you could go down to the closest Walgreens or CVS, which used to be Revco, or Rexall, or maybe one of those cool little photomat huts plopped in a random parking lot. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, and this was before we had any Walmarts in our area, so we did everything at Kmart, including our film developing. We talked about it on the Negative Positives podcast. Kmart had their own little photography mascot called Dusty Lenscap, who had a fedora and a pervy little trench coat. Uh, He wasn't quite as creepy as a clown, but pretty close. Focal was the house brand or house label on all things photographic at Kmart. Growing up lower middle class in the 70s and 80s in the Midwest, we mainly had cheap little 110 and 126 cartridge cameras that we also got at Kmart. In the very late 90s, I moved up to 35mm, specifically the Lomo LCA, and in the early 2000s, our area started getting target stores that offered cheap film developing and 4x6 prints. 2006, we got a Costco, and that was a game changer. If you're just now getting into film photography, this is going to sound insane, but back in the 2000s, the aughts, I could get a six-pack of Fuji Superior 35mm film for around six bucks. Yes, a dollar a roll for a 36 exposure roll. And you could get your film developed and get a set of 4x6 prints for $3.99. Throw in another $2.99 and they would scan it to a CD for you too. So, seven bucks for developing a set of prints, and a CD of all your scans. And they almost always had it all ready within an hour or two after you dropped it off. 
Now, like a lot of the drugstore labs at the time, they only did 35mm and they only did color negative or C41 film. Of course, I wanted to get all artsy-fartsy and try black and white, which they didn't process, but there was a workaround. Kodak used to make a film called BW400CN, which was chromogenic black and white film, which sounds like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. But you develop the film in regular C41 chemicals, and it would give you black and white results. Kind of. Uh, sometimes the images looked a little more sepia than black and white, but it was my go-to film for a long time. Ilford's XP2 film works in a similar way. You can't get BW400CN anymore, Costco doesn't develop film anymore, and the days of your corner drugstore developing film are pretty much over. So these days, if you want to get your film developed locally, you're going to have to find a dedicated photo lab, and this might be difficult depending on where you live. I know some of the good folks at CCR, the classic camera revival podcast up in Canada, uh, Canuckia, take their film to a local place in Burlington, Ontario. I live in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, and I know some people think of Ohio as flyover country, but with Columbus being centrally located and being the state capital, we've got a lot of resources here, including a couple labs you can take your film to. One of which is Midwest Photo, which is about a 20-minute drive from where I live, and it's where Matt Mirage from the FPP works. I see Matt about every other time in there. He's usually pretty busy. Uh, Matt mainly shoots large format, which I don't shoot, but he's so engaging. I still watch his large format videos on YouTube. I mentioned in my first podcast that Ted Vieira has the best voice in the film photography community. Yeah, man. Well, I think it's pretty widely accepted that Matt has the best hair, although Leo Nikishin from the 10 Rolls of Film podcast and YouTube channel is definitely in the conversation. Of course, this is all coming from a bald guy who wears a hat in all his YouTube videos. Now, another great local resource for me is McAllister Photo, which is also only 20 minutes from where I live. They offer next-day service where they'll develop and scan your C41 film and send you a Dropbox link to download your scans, all for 11 bucks, and they don't toss your negatives like some labs. Another bonus for me is that they're located in the next plaza up from where I work, so I can sneak over and drop off film on my lunch hour. Now, I realize I'm lucky I've got these local resources available to develop my film. If you're not so lucky, well, you may go with option number two, which is mail order, where you send your film off to a lab to get it developed. You could use a lab like Seattle Filmworks, for example. Well, all right, maybe not these days. But some current well-known film labs include the Fine Lab, uh, the Darkroom in California. One thing that makes me a little nervous about using these labs is the possibility of my film getting lost or destroyed in the mail. I think most of us have a few postal horror stories in our past. The last time I used a mail-in service was 2009 when Mike Rosso gave me some Kodachrome and I had to mail it to Dwayne's Photo in Parsons, Kansas because that was the last lab to process Kodachrome. Dwayne's did a great job. Nothing got lost or destroyed, so it was all good. I guess my other option would have been a road trip to Dwayne's like Ed Harris took in the movie Kodachrome, which, if you haven't seen it, you may want to check it out. It was actually pretty good. Okay, we've talked about option one, use a local lab. We've talked about option two, use a mail order service. If you're mailing your film out, make sure you use a service that will send your negatives back. Some labs just toss your negatives, and then you don't have that hard copy that can be rescanned later just in case you need it. All right, now we've arrived at my favorite, option number three, DIY or develop it yourself. Now, I might be preaching to the choir here. Maybe you've been developing film for years, but if you haven't and you've been thinking about it, but maybe you've been a little scared or too intimidated to try it, well, I'm here to tell you, 
you can do it. If you can follow a recipe and make something halfway edible, then you can develop film. I think the hardest part at first is just getting over the fear, fear of the unknown, fear of screwing it up. So if you want to try developing for the first time, just use a test roll of random shots you've taken to take some of the pressure off. Don't shoot a wedding and try to develop that film for the first time. So once you've gotten over the fear, the next hardest part is the initial cost of developing film yourself. Now I've saved hundreds of dollars developing film myself over the last few years, but there is an outlay of money you gotta spend to get started. Now I don't have a dedicated darkroom, so I developed my film in my kitchen sink. To do that, you're gonna need a daylight developing tank. A popular common brand is Patterson. Some people call all these tanks Patterson tanks, kinda like people call all cotton swaps Q-tips or all bandages, Band-Aid. I've got three tanks and none of them are Patterson brand. I've got a couple tanks I really like because the reels that came with it have really wide tabs that make it easier to load the film. Now I've only used plastic tanks and reels. You can use metal ones. You can find a plastic tank with two reels for about 35 bucks or so on Amazon. I don't recommend Amazon for buying film, but it's good for these tanks. Of course, you gotta load your film into these tanks in complete darkness. So you can either use a completely dark room or pick up a dark bag or a changing bag, which is what I use. And you can get these for 25 bucks or so. You'll need a thermometer and stuff to mix and measure with. Some of this you can get at a dollar store or a kitchen store. You can get a film retriever to get the film out of the canister. I just pry the end off with a bottle opener, which pretty much ruins the film cartridge. So if you're bulk rolling film and want to save the cartridge, you don't want to manhandle it like that. If you're developing 35mm film, you need a little pair of scissors to cut the end of the film too. Now, there's other gear you can get, but that's the basics. So now, let's talk chemicals. Full disclosure, I've never developed slide or positive film with the proper E6 chemistry. I just don't shoot much slide film, so I can't really justify picking up an E6 kit. I don't shoot much slide film because generally speaking, it's not as forgiving as far as exposure latitude is concerned. It's typically pretty expensive, so it's really just not my thing. I'm not going to talk about slide film and E6 processing, so that just leaves two main film types. So if you're just getting into film developing, which one should you start with? Well, you could make a case for either one. One nice thing about C41 or color negative film is that you develop all the different brands for the same amount of time per your developer's instructions. So if you've got a roll of Fuji Superior 400 and a roll of Kodak Gold 200, you can develop them both in the same tank, mix and match, and they should both turn out fine. With black and white films, each stock requires different development times per each developer, so you can't mix and match different brands or stocks so easily with black and white. You can look up all the different times for free in the Massive Dev chart online or on the Massive Dev app, which will set you back 10 bucks. One other easy thing about color developing is that all the chemicals you need are typically sold together as a kit which is not necessarily the case for black and white. So C41 may seem easier to start with because all the films use the same development time and all the chemicals are sold together in a convenient kit. Well, here's where it's not easier. Proper development of C41 is a lot more dependent on temperature, specifically high temperature. You got to cook this stuff over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and it's harder to maintain that. I use the FPP heat helper, which I got for 50 bucks a few years ago. It's an immersion circulator used for sous vide cooking and it does a nice job of keeping things up to temp. So the easiest thing about black and white developing is the temperature. Most black and white films can be developed fairly close to room temperature. You'll see a lot of times for black and white development at 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius. That's a lot easier to maintain than 102 degrees. Plus, black and white tends to be a little more forgiving on temp. If you're off a degree, it's not going to typically have a huge effect on your results. For black and white, you're going to need to get at the bare minimum two kinds of chemicals, developer and fixer. 
Some people, including me, start with a simple pre-soak or pre-wash. I use tap water for this and soak the film for about a minute around 68 degrees. Next step is developing. I usually use Kodak HC110 developer. The original formula was a goopy syrup. The new stuff is more liquid and a lot easier to mix. The FPP has their own version on sale right now. It's called FPP110 and it's a few bucks cheaper than the Kodak stuff. The next step is the stop bath to stop the chemicals from overdeveloping your film. Some people like to buy a special stop bath solution for this, especially if the development time is short. But the good news is you can just use water for your stop bath, no fancy chemicals, and it'll work just fine. All right, next step is to fix your image. For this, I use Ilford Rapid Fixer. You can get this for 10 to 12 bucks a bottle, and the fixture is reusable. I've gotten 14 rolls out of my current batch so far, and it's still going strong. Now you've got to rinse your film with plain old water. You can buy a rinsing agent to reduce your rinse time and conserve water or use the Ilford rinse method where you fill the tank and dump it several times in a row. For the final rinse, I soak my film in distilled water with a couple drops of PhotoFlow to help avoid water spots and streaking. The PhotoFlow is optional. You can use a drop or two of dishwashing detergent if you want, but PhotoFlow is cheap. You only use a couple drops at a time. I've had my bottle for a few years. It'll probably outlive me. Now, I just mentioned that I used distilled water for my final soak. I also used distilled water to mix my developer and fixer as well. Here in Ohio, we've got a discount store called Mark's where I can still get a gallon of distilled water for under a dollar. This way, I don't have to worry about weird minerals or impurities that might be in my tap water. So because of the whole temperature thing, I think the easiest film to start developing is black and white. Once you figure out the development time, it's pretty straightforward. Develop, stop, fix, rinse, that's it. Now, if that still sounds a little intimidating to you, well, I've got good news with a little stipulation. This doesn't work the best with every black and white film, but if you shoot a common, popular, traditional grain black and white film like HP5 or Tri-X, and you want the hands-down easiest way to develop your film, then you need to get your hands on a monobath. A monobath, amazingly, combines the developer's stop and fixture all in one. So basically, you buy one bottle of stuff, and that's all you need. There's not a bunch of repeated pouring and dumping. You pour the solution in your tank, follow the agitation schedule provided for the allotted time according to your temperature, dump it back into your jug because it's reusable, and you, my friend, have a developed roll of film. You still rinse with water, and you can still use the photo flow too. There's several monobaths out there. There's a few powder versions. I really like the pre-mixed jug from Sinisto. There's no mixing, no measuring, no mess. You just pour it right from the jug into your tank, it literally couldn't be any easier. Monobaths are generally pretty quick too. If you heat Sinistos DF96 Monobath up to 80 degrees, you can develop a roll of film with constant agitation in as little as three minutes. Sinistos Monobath is 20 bucks. You can get probably about 20 rolls out of it, so you're looking at a dollar roll way cheaper than taking it to a lab. Now, once you've developed your film, there is the matter of scanning or printing, but that's a story for another day or another podcast. I personally started with a Monobath and I think it's a great gateway into the world of film developing. If you've been thinking about trying developing for the first time, but you're not sure you can do it, I'm here to tell you, you've got this. Grab a tank, maybe a changing bag, and a bottle of Monobath, and start having fun. I'm not some fancy, trendy influencer. I'm just an old guy rambling on about my passion for film photography. But if I can encourage just one person to take the plunge and give developing a try, well, that's all the influence I need. If you're a visual learner like me and you want to get step-by-step -step instructions on developing black and white and color film, check out the developing videos on my YouTube channel, which is The Old Camera Guy. And until next time, do some good, have some fun, and develop some film.
Hello, folks. Before we get out of here, I wanted to, uh, and we got something else I want to insert at the end of the show. It's kind of a time sensitive, but first, I want to obviously thank Mr. Dave Mahali, the old camera guy, or old camera guy, <laughs> for his continuing uh, uh, putting out the old camera guy podcast here on the Negative Positives. Uh, steals the ideal from the Sunny 16 Presents feed and lets people take over this uh, this podcast. Uh, really enjoying what Dave is doing there, and uh, huge thanks to uh, Mr. Mahali for blessing us with his wisdom uh by putting a old gam old camera old, <laughs> old camera guy podcast episodes here on this very ne- negative pauses feed uh also thanks to uh mr dave mahale for his youtube channel uh he just put out a video uh, a couple days ago uh f- five dollar film project uh it's about the arista edu ultra 400 film and uh, he used my music very, very effectively uh, in the video. I think the, uh, I think the video made the made the music sound better, obviously. So because uh, Dave's Dave's really good at the videos. So check out his YouTube channel, obviously. Uh, but yeah, before we get out of here, Mr. Jamie Maldonado, uh, who was on last week's episode, I believe it was, with uh, Andre Dominguez, uh, doing a little interview with him. Uh, he's got his Piney Woods Dark Room thing he was talking about. Well, he's got an update here, and it's, since it's kind of time sensitive, I wanted to go ahead and get it in this episode here at the end so uh jamie can uh have the chance to update you all on what is going on and how you can help support uh, all the coolness that he has going on there in texas so let's check out uh what jamie has sent in here hello this is jamie maldonado you heard me recently on a call-in show interview with andre i talked about piney woods darkroom the community darkroom i'm starting in east texas it's a nonprofit and Mike and Andre had asked me to call in when I was ready to announce my fundraising campaign and other details, and I'm ready to do that. To start off on the most urgent note, our Indiegogo campaign launches Monday, May 15th, 2023, which may or may not be in the future or past, depending on when you hear this. Regardless, it'll be open until June 10th, 2023. The Indiegogo will be the primary fundraising source of the first year of this darkroom. I'm hoping that after I'm established, I'll be able to apply for more grants and have other more traditional methods of donation, like just individual donations. But that's down the road, and right now I want the help of the film community, my local art community, and anyone who is just interested and willing to support this venture. So in short, this is going to be an Indiegogo campaign for 30 days, and I'm going to use it as my startup money, basically. Maybe my long-term fund. I don't know exactly. I have to see how it goes. I'm setting my goal pretty low at $10,000, which sounds like a lot. But when you're considering that I'm going to be running a building, running water, having to get licensing for waste disposal and chemicals and other things like that, on top of who knows what else that involves a physical location, buying new chemicals, buying film, selling everything, and just a million other things. That's going to be my job, and I also need to get paid. $10,000 is really low, but I'm hoping that if I can get that $10,000, I'll help other people realize that, hey, this is legitimate, especially local people who don't know what a darkroom is or have no faith whatsoever that film photography has any future at all. The way it works is basically like Kickstarter, except for if I don't hit the final goal, I can still get the money. So I could, you know, live off of $2,000 or $1,000, although that would be increasingly difficult. But if I get, let's say, $9,500, 
I still get the campaign funds. And there will be a few perks. This is a nonprofit, so I'm not going to be like throwing cameras out there. But I have currently set as my perks a couple of stickers, just basic logo stickers. You can look at my website and my Instagram for the logo. And it's just a nice little sticker guy printed sticker with logo for, you know, the lowest donations. And then a step up from that will be a tote bag with a logo and a t-shirt. And I'm also going to do a baseball cap. I have yet to figure out if it's going to be embroidered, but it will have to be a logo baseball cap, kind of a dad cap, I think is the name of the style of cap, if you're familiar. And for my highest perk, I actually have a friend who's going to make some cool wax canvas aprons for the darkroom. For, I'm starting with 10 people, but if it just really blows the roof off the funding, then I think she can do a handful more, but she's going to hand make these aprons based on my favorite darkroom apron and I think it'll be kind of a neat gift for people to have especially if they're going to be able to use it at my future physical location. The first 48 hours are super vital to fundraising but really if I can do it anytime in the 30 days and I think maybe a little bit beyond Indiegogo is a little fuzzier than Kickstarter but I think if I can get that as fast as possible or do a lot as fast as possible I have a real chance of making serious waves and that's where you come in you can contribute as little as I think one or two dollars and um, though that may not be on a perk level anything higher will at least get you a sticker and I can do that pretty cheaply thankfully and I can get perks out by, by fall, I'm going to try to give myself a little headroom so I don't get in trouble with people expecting things and not getting them in time. That's all set on the Indiegogo campaign if you look at it. There might be future perks. I'm not 100% sure. I have no sponsorships or anything like that. But if anyone who has like a photography-related company would like to get in touch with me about that, I am a 1,000% into it and would like to hear what you have to say. On a similar note, if you just really want to give money but do not want to give it through a crowdfunding campaign online, you can email me at pineywoodsdarkroom at gmail.com and all this information will probably be on the show notes too. And you can uh, discuss with me the possibilities that uh, you have in mind because I need m money. This is going to be publicly funded and... Yeah, so it's a it's a nonprofit darkroom, publicly funded, meaning that it's owned by the public. I just manage this thing basically. Go to pineywoodsdarkroom.org or pineywoodsdarkroom on Instagram and find your way to my Indiegogo campaign. And that way you don't have to deal with Indiegogo URLs and stuff like that. You can also share the campaign links and tell other people about it. Once again, if Indiegogo isn't your style, but you want to donate money, you can message me on Instagram at PineywoodsDarkroom, by email at PineywoodsDarkroom at gmail.com. And just in case you're wondering, that's P-I-N-E-Y-W-O-O-D-S-D-A-R-K-R-O-O-M at gmail.com. I think I got that right, hopefully. There's also pineywoodsdarkroom.org, the website. 
Also, you can reach me at, through my normal social media at Jamie M. Photo. That's J A M I E M, like Mastodon, photo. Half a year ago, I did not even remotely expect this to be a nonprofit venture. I am really learning on the fly here, but I've been working on this project for nearly two years and I am so excited. And I'd like to thank Mike and Andre for giving me a chance to explain this a bit and promote my Indiegogo campaign. And hopefully, I didn't talk too long. So stay positive and shoot some cool films. Thank you for listening to this listener takeover edition of the Negative Positives Podcast. If you would like to take over the Negative Positives Podcast and have your very own episode, it's very simple. Just talk about anything in your film photography journey and send that audio file to the email address negpositives at gmail.com. That is N-E-G positives at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. We have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives. And you can support this program on Coffee. That is ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs>